I have a friend visiting me. She's telling me that she's going to do an Ironman race. And then in my head, it's a Spartan race, obstacle courses. Like that's what <laughs> I had, American Ninja Warrior, that sort of concept. And that's all I envisioned in my head. I'm like, well, interesting, nice, nice, nice. And then she shows me a video of herself on a bike crying. And I'm like, why are you on a bike? I was lost. You know, it, to me, the concept of multidisciplinary sports was unknown. So I was just going along with it, but I was just lost. I didn't even know what I was looking at. And then I'm like, I wonder if I can do that. And she's like, yes, you can, of course, just you have to train. Uh, I'm doing a race in August. And this was, I think, January or, or December, the year prior. So 2017. And she's like, you should sign up with me. You have enough time to train. It's a half Ironman distance. And in my head, again, I don't know what that is. I'm just like, <laughs> no okay, concept. Sure. Yeah, send me the send me the link. Okay. And then I go on the website, I uh, register for the race. I kind of now get what I'm getting, understand what I'm getting myself into in the sense of, oh, it's swim, bike, run, but no, you know, comprehension in terms of what training guys required, what gear, what equipment, you know, what the whole journey is going to look like. I just, you know, completely just took a leap of faith and signed up. And then I remember two months later texting her and you remember that race you told me about that I signed up, like, what do I do now? This is The Metal Set. Hi, this is Dawn, an ultra cyclist and sports PR specialist. And I'm Afshan, an endurance athlete and journalist. And we're on a quest to bring you stories of tenacity, courage, and metal. From athletes in the Middle East and beyond. Hello, Dawn here. Before we get started on today's episode, we have a quick favor to ask. If you like the podcast and find our episodes and content interesting, inspiring, or educational, Please take a moment to ensure that you have subscribed to the podcast on your favorite listening platform. That means tapping the little follow button. I'll give you a moment to do that. And of course, don't forget to leave us a review. Five stars only, obviously. And ensure that you follow us on Instagram and YouTube at The Metal Set. This support really helps us to continue to bring you the best of the best athlete stories. And it's also very good karma. So back to today's episode. Today's guest is one of the next generation of Saudi Arabian sports leaders. Jude Jemjoon is the co-founder and president of Jeddah Tribe. And to call this a tri-club would be accurate, but it would miss the fact that it is also an event series and really at its core, a robust community that offers training, mentorship, support, and encouragement for triathletes of all levels and ages. As you just heard in the intro, Jude's own journey started with the encouragement of a friend, and like many of us starting a new sport, or three, it was followed by a period of discovery and learning about oneself, about training, and about competition. This episode is about the power of community, or tribe as it were. Jude shares with us her own story of triathlon, which remarkably started in 2018, and how she was supported by a tribe of people that included her family, friends, and sometimes surprisingly, complete strangers. It was this support and community of people that led Jude to co-found Jeddah Tribe in 2019. Running parallel to her personal story is the story of Jeddah Tribe. From an informal group of friends to now a large community of athletes of all ages who, thanks to the work of Jude and her team, have access to mentorship, coaching, and competitions, all in Saudi Arabia. 
Since recording this episode a little while ago, Jude was recognized with the 2023 World Triathlon Women's Committee Award of Excellence, and we cannot think of a better recipient. It was an honor to speak with her and hear all about the growing impact of her and her team's work and how it has been embraced by not only the community, but by government entities in the kingdom as well. What's most exciting is that they're just getting started. We've included a lot of links for you to find out more information in the show notes, including some of our episodes that feature prominent Saudi triathletes and trailblazers, Dean El-Tayeb and Ali Makbul, both of whom are mentioned in this episode. Congrats again, Jude, on all that you and Jeddah Tribe have accomplished. We can't wait to see what's next. And now, on to the episode. Hi, Jude. Welcome to the show. Thank you so much for joining us all the way from Jeddah today. We've heard a lot about your push for multidisciplinary sports and events in Saudi in general, and we want to talk all about that. But first, I'd like to ask you, how was your summer? What did you get up to? Did you ramp up your training or did you have to scale back a little bit to, for more family and friends time? So actually, for in terms of training, it was a slow summer up till, I would say, June, July. July, I started focusing back onto training. I took four months, I think, from Ramadan until summer, just really focusing on family, work, friends, taking off any pressure of any training. Uh, I reduced my training load. And then uh, I decided to sign up for the Saudi Games cycling race and decided, okay, now I think it's about time to start getting there, (laughs) getting back into my training mode. And then I did the trials for the Saudi Games cycling race on in August, where I didn't do the best. I know that I have much more fitness left, but I'm still like developing where sort of uh, the lost fitness that I I kind of got because of the four months gap. But yeah, now it's ramp up. It's like regardless of the weather, I'm going out on the weekends, probably actually even more. I go two, four days a week. I try to do like an outdoor ride and then the rest of the days I'm doing them indoor structured sessions. So yeah, it's a bit different from my triathlon training because you kind of have the versatility of swim, bike, run. Mm-hmm. But when you're training for a, a cycling race, it's like six days a week of cycling. Uh, it gets a bit mundane, but uh, I still don't know where I'm at. If I'm liking it or not, I'm still undecided for now. <laughs> I, I might go back to triathlon soon. <laughs> I can hard yeah. relate to spending a lot, yeah. a lot of time on a bike. And it is, it's yeah. nice to get out and do those different things. So I guess the next race is for you coming up. Is that the Saudi Games? What's yeah. like? What's in the immediate calendar for you? So the Saudi games, that's uh, somewhere in the end of November to early December. So hopefully I can, you know, get some decent uh, training blocks in before then. I'm not really a road cyclist. I much prefer, it's a road cycling race. I much Mm -hmm. prefer my time trial bike and getting into aero position. I think that's where I find comfort and strength, but yeah, it's completely a new ball game. You know, I did the trials and I, in my head, I'm going to be top 10. And then I was like 12th place. I'm like, okay, no, I, I sort of overestimated my abilities. But yeah, it's, it's nice to see that the competition level is is definitely increasing in Saudi. And, and I was so happy to see, you know, the leading pack. It was a big gap. You know, I'm not going to do myself any. It was an eight minute gap between the leading cap and uh, leading um, Peloton and myself. So that just goes to show that, you know, talent is developing. You know, I think I did a race in 2019 where I came first place and just to see that, you know, no, 
things are growing and changing is, is great to see. So, uh, yeah, that, that that's, is excellent. That's, yeah, yeah. I think, um, competition is really healthy. And then when you see kind of excellent, you never know what'll happen between now yeah. and then, you know, with your training. No, no, so. it was like, yep, time to wake up. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so you grew up in Jeddah. You're speaking to us from Jeddah. Tell us what it was like growing up. Cause I mean, I just came back from France and you know, a lot of people from other parts of the world don't really know what goes on in this part of the world, in particular in Saudi Arabia. So what was it like growing up? Were sports always something that you were involved in? Uh, so personally, no, you know, I was prior to 2018, you know, I probably best characterized myself as a couch potato. I was active in some senses, but never had any team sports background, uh, running, uh, cycling, nothing of that sort. I knew how to swim we're on the Red Sea, so we, we do swim, but it's not anything like, you know, a structured swim where you have different... No, I think I was just swimming to float and get mm-hmm. from one point to another, but nothing really where it needs to be in terms of triathlon training and swimming training in general. So um, it was a really something that I stumbled into in 2018 by, I guess, by chance and luck. I was doing my master's in uh, the U.S. and I had a few friends doing something called Escaping Alcatraz, which is a duathlon where they kind of mimic the escape from Alcatraz, uh, the prison. So you swim from Alcatraz, the island, to shore. You either run or cycle. They have two variations. So it's either an aqua bike or a, a duathlon and you run the rest or you can only do the swim. So I had few you know, friends doing that. So I joined them as a supporter. And I think that was my first experience to multidisciplinary sports. You know, prior to then, I didn't even know what a triathlon was, Mm -hmm. uh, let alone an aquathlon or a duathlon. So for me, that kind of terminology and these concepts were new. And then I also had another set of friends who were doing the San Francisco Marathon who ended up, you know, getting me to do a five kilometer run off of zero training. Um, (laughs) Just like, okay, I'll, I'll go with you guys and I'll try to survive and finish. And I remember finishing in like 40 minutes and I was very happy and proud that, okay, this is my first experience in, in, in running a race. And, and it was, it was nice. So fast forward, I come back, I start working. I have a friend visiting me. She's telling me that she's going to do an Ironman race. And then in my head, it's a Spartan race to obstacle courses. Like that's what I had, American Ninja Warrior, that sort of concept. And that's all I envisioned in my head. I'm like, oh, interesting. Nice, nice, nice. And then she shows me a video of herself on a bike crying. And I'm like, why are you on a bike? I was lost. You know, it, to me, the concept of multidisciplinary sports was unknown. So I was just going along with it, but I was just lost. I didn't even know what I was looking at. And then I'm like, I wonder if I can do that. And she's like, yes, you can. Of course, just you have to train. Uh, I'm doing a race in August. And this was, I think, January or, or, or December, the year prior. So 2017. And she's like, you should sign up with me. You have enough time to train. It's a half Ironman distance. And in my head, again, I don't know what that is. I'm just like, <laughs> no okay, concept. Sure. Yeah, send me the send me the link. Okay. And then I go on the website, I uh, register for the race. I kind of now get what I'm getting, understand what I'm getting myself into in the sense of, oh, it's swim, bike, run, but no, you know, comprehension in terms of what training guys required, what gear, what equipment, you know, what the whole journey is going to look like. I just, you know, completely just took a leap of faith and signed up. And then I remember two months later texting her and you remember that race you told me about that I signed up, like, what do I do now? And this was February, 2018. And she's like, oh, yeah, I should have told you you should get a coach now. I'm like, okay, yeah. 
So she connects me with her coach and uh, I really start off of, I remember my first session was something like walk for a minute, run for two minutes, walk for a minute, run for two minutes. And then this, the, you know, the progression from that was, you know, walk for a minute, run for five minutes, walk for a minute, run for five minutes, and then like do that for 30 minutes in a row. And then gradually I started running a full five kilometers nonstop and then a 10 and then uh, the whole, you know, 21 kilometers. And then I was doing most of my cycling indoors because this was even prior to women driving in Saudi. So this was right along, I think maybe three months or four months before that kind of uh, that shift happened. So I kind of got a taste of both worlds of what it was like prior to that and what it was like after. I remember even telling my coach, you know, if you're going to put an outdoor session, just do it once a week because we have an open day at the King Abdullah Sports Complex where they host uh, uh, this activity called Be Active. And it was another initiative that was being done during that time, you know, luckily, because it gave me an, uh, an outlet to go do my outdoor sessions. Otherwise, I was clueless to outdoor cycling as well because uh, it was never something that I, I was a part of. But, you know, in general, I'm so much of a believer is that you tracked what you're, you, you know, you, you're looking to do. So I remember just after that period, I found a lot of cycling groups who were doing cycling outdoors. Uh, you know, this is prior to me even knowing uh, about cycling and all that. And for years and years, they've been doing it. Um, running groups who've been running outdoors for doing also ultra marathons in Jeddah. I found a triathlon group in Riyadh called Riyadh Triathletes who were hosting also events throughout the year. So, you know, suddenly I was being, you know, given all the support, you know, the, the, and I, I think Alhamdulillah was you know, in God's way of showing me the path because everything that I needed was just coming my way uh, in terms of supporting me in my journey. So I, I was very happy about that. And I think Shortly afterwards, and prior to doing my first triathlon, I got to know the first cycling group that uh, took me outdoors. And I started, you know, understanding, you know, what is group cycling, how to ride in a peloton, how to ride in a road, you know, the whole etiquette of cycling and what comes with its safety and really understanding. You know, I remember once I, I just got a flat tire and I didn't even know the concept of changing the tube. I was like, oh, my bike is broken. Now I have to go to the bike. <laughs> now maybe to change the bike to finish. I, but yeah, there's like something completely I didn't know anything about. And again, you know, someone, and it was, I was in the middle of nowhere. And those were one of the few sessions that I did alone. And I remember this man appearing out of nowhere. I was like, what's wrong? Cause I was walking with my bike, you know, just trying to get back to my car. And then, uh, it's like, what's wrong? What's happening? I'm like, it's not working. It's flat. <laughs> it's not just now. Obviously, I can't get back on this bike. And he's like, okay, let's fix it. And then it turns out he had like a bunch of tubes in his car, uh, a pump. And I'm like, oh, wow. You know, this is, alhamdulillah, miraculously <laughs> working in my favor. And I was, I was getting ready to go back home. But then he fixed the tire for me. And I'm like, no, no, teach me how to do it. Because I, I don't want to just, you know, get lost next time. Yeah. So you have to buy these spare parts. You can buy them from the local bike shop. And then you're going to have to have one of these at hand. Put it in your pocket or put it. And then like he, he literally spent 15 minutes with me teaching me how to change a tire. And that was the first time I actually get a flat tire. And to kind of have that support there waiting for me and teaching me, it was like, wow. You know, I think uh, I must be doing something right <laughs> I need to get this kind of support. Yeah. 
when you make a decision in, or, you know, decide to, to do something or have a goal, the universe kind of opens up paths for you. And really, literally, this guy showing up on the side of the road with all these bike, uh, you know, mechanic skills and, and um, inner tubes and all that is really, yeah, amazing. And don't feel so bad because there's a lot of very experienced cyclists here in Dubai that I know that don't know how to change a tire <laughs> or change a tube or fix a puncture. So, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, I struggle to change my tire also because I can never get the tire off. It's yeah. just one of those things. So I'm always a damsel in distress on, on the track. Well, I would still definitely love, you know, for someone to do it for me. But I just like for me, I wanted to learn at that moment. But I think till today, it will take me an hour probably to <laughs> fix it myself. You know, I cannot do it in 15 minutes today as well, for sure. <laughs> I just started reading Rich Roll's book on his Ultraman. Finding and, Ultra. Yeah. And I think in the preface, he was talking about how he wanted to give up the second time because he crashed. But then when he came to one of the aid stations, everyone rushed his help. He had already given up. But because everyone rushed to his help, he then <laughs> continued. So it was it's it's just pretty much that, right? Like you have so much community support that it keeps you going, really. <laughs> You've uh, and I've read this somewhere that you had a turning point at the age of eighteen, you know, and and this is way before you actually found triathlon. So talk us through what that turning point was at that that age. Yeah, for sure. So, you know, all of my childhood life um, and, you know, even high school, I was, uh, you know, I think it's not just scientifically characterized as morbidly obese. And that's where your BMI is, I think, over 35%, uh, 35. So, um, yeah, I, I grew up being overweight. I think I always was fluctuating or yo-yo dieting. So I think even going back through my childhood pictures, I have, you know, one year where I'm looking really lean. And a, another year where I'm looking really fat or really morbidly obese. And then it just was, a, you know, a continuation of that throughout my whole childhood and, you know, also in high school and, and, and growing up. And then I think the first year of, of college, I gained so much weight. I really, it was like, I thought I had reached the peak at school, but then first year of college, it was something else. I think the idea of, you know, uh, now you, you don't even have like uh, the certain breakfast, lunch hours at school. You have cafeterias. And I think the abundance of options at college where you just, yeah, you're, you're, you're eating junk food throughout the day. And I, I just had no control and no oversight of, oh, I, I kind of lost control there. So I think after that, it was like, I was really in terms of, uh, it was my goal. It was my goal to lose weight, to become healthy. I think even like, just doing little stuff was getting to me. And I was always active, you know, even through my ups and downs, I always remember getting the comment, oh, you're pretty light on your feet for someone that size. You know, I remember going into any gym class and then doing, you know, all these uh, aerobics classes and everyone was like turning to me and like, oh, wow, you know, we didn't expect that you'd have that sort of endurance or, or that stamina to keep up. And, and that was something I was frequently getting when I was growing up. And then I was just, you know, when I reached that, I think the highest I've ever reached was around 120 kilograms. And I remember just seeing that number on the scale and feeling so miserable about it uh, that I just started really dieting. Um, and then slowly, I think throughout the next three years in college, I slowly started losing the weight. And then 
in 2018, that's when I actually started including exercise, you know, on a consistent basis. And and that was through my training for triathlon, because prior to then, as I said, I was always active. I was always curious to know what I could do. But then I think it was that year where I sort of developed the discipline to go to the gym, to train consistently and not for it to be something that's like a one-off and then back to old habits. And it's really, you know, sort of part of my day. Like now the days that I don't train, there's like this tick that, oh my God, no, something is wrong. Yeah, I, I need to go. Yesterday, I came back from work very late. By the time I had finished dinner, I was still contemplating whether I should get on a bike or not. And I'm like, no, 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 I have to get on the bike. And I started my session around 8.30 p.m. I finished around 9.45. And then I was like, I felt much more comfortable getting it done than just leaving it. So it, it's really now kind of embedded into my daily routine. Also, the four months that I took a break, like I was mentioning in the summer from Ramadan, I took a break off of, you know, structured sessions, but I mm-hmm. did not stop training. I was walking every single day for at least an hour. I was doing strength and conditioning three times a week. So I always had to have something be done, even though it wasn't like swim bike per se, but I was always keeping active with that. So I think that's one of the good lessons learned and habits that I wish I developed at a younger age, but I'm happy that I have this, you know, opportunity now that I get to, to actually practice it and, and be consistent with it. I have a bit of a similar story, I guess, you know, growing up, I was very chubby, (laughs) but always very active as well. Like always kind of involved in, in some sort of sport. But I mean, for me, like you, it sounds like a real lifestyle shift from kind of how you view yourself. Even when you start structure training, you have a goal in mind, it just becomes part of the norm, right? To, to, to train. And even if it's unstructured to still be super, super active, I guess throughout your journey, like going into finding more activity, being more structured about it, going into triathlon, what was support? You mentioned your friends kind of encouraging you and and being a catalyst for you to get involved in in triathlon. What was support from like your family and other friends as, as they saw your, I guess, transformation? Yeah, definitely. You know, the, the support that I personally had throughout this journey uh, is, is uh, one that, you know, I, I hold really dear to my heart. I just wanted to comment on, you know, having a goal oriented uh, approach. I think that was in itself the mind, uh, the shift. I wasn't no longer looking for aesthetics per se uh, to really pave my way to a healthier lifestyle, but it was actually the healthier lifestyle, the races at the end, you know, that kind of irk that you want to be 1% better than what you were yesterday. Um, So yes, that definitely drove a lot of the behavior and the habit shift in terms of having a healthier lifestyle. When it comes to support, I think number one, my mom and dad and sisters have been instrumental in terms of really pushing me. I remember at one point in time, I was sitting having dinner with my dad just coming uh, home from work. He's like, don't you have a session? And then in my head, I was like, yeah, but I want to spend time with you. And, you know, you always have that, you know, guilt is that you're not doing enough with your family or friends. And especially when you're super 
as I said, goal oriented, it becomes sort of a part of, yeah, there's extremes where you, mm-hmm. you're training twice a day in the morning and the evening. Um, you're really cutting off a lot of social uh, engagements and social activities because you want to get in sleep, proper food. You don't want to get, devi- you don't want to deviate from your plan. So yeah, you reach those points where you're really stuck in, into your routine that you don't want to ruin it. But it was one of those days where like, I felt like I had been doing that for too long and not really giving those relationships the time and qual- and that they require and deserve and need. So I was just like, no, no, I'm, I'm gonna, you know, sit and have dinner with you. And he's like, no, no, you have a go, go. And then it's like one of those points, I'm like, oh, wow. It's like, he's actually cutting me slack. You know, it's okay, you know, for you not to have dinner with me. I want you to go train. So mm-hmm. that was one of the moments, like, I was like, oh, yeah. Um, it, it's even, you know, getting me tear up just thinking about that. And then even my mom, she's been amazing in terms of support because, Oh, God. (laughs) Um, I didn't expect to cry. (laughs) So even my mom, so um, every single race, she makes it, you know, a point that to come and attend the race. um, And and she she really pushes me. It's like in terms of, you know, I want you to win a medal. It's like, don't just do this for fun. I know you have it in you to win a podium. It's like, no, I want you to go in it thinking that with that mindset. And then she also gives me a lot of lessons learned in in terms of, you know, thinking of how to approach a race. It's like, you have to approach the race as if you're going to win. And if you don't like, you know, there's 101 things that could happen. It could be your competitor's not good day. And if you go in with the mindset that, you know, I'm not in there to win, you're never going to win. So she always gives me those sort of... uh, those uh those those life lessons and she pushes me to to really excel and to push myself and i remember uh, dubai um 2020 half ironman it was one of those races that i did just for the fun i i went in with no pressure and i remember a month after or a few uh, because they had to ch- change the timing because there was a bit of a technical issue with the swim start time so they actually added a category which was duathlon and because I'm a bad swimmer, <laughs> that actually worked in my favor <laughs> because I am a strong cyclist and a, I think mediocre runner. So um, in that sense, I, I podiumed on a GCC level. And I remember just, you know, this one was for you, you know, my mom, because she she actually pushed me to have that mindset and mentality to go all out uh, in every single discipline and every single race and to have that kind of you know, to overreach. Yeah. Maybe I'm not at a level where I can be podium, but I still want you to have that mindset that you could, uh, and to race with that mindset. So that was one of the, the, the nice things, uh, that, that happened, uh, in, in, uh, Dubai's race where I, I got a GCC podium and it was, uh, sort of that kind of uh, full circle with that kind of mentality and mindset. So I make it a part of me and uh, to, to really do every race with that kind of mindset and to, uh, and it's really because of her, because of her and my sisters, uh, my youngest sister, she, I remember the first time I said, uh, I'm going to do a, a, an Ironman race. She's like, yeah, you're not going to finish. And I remember there was that, like that competitive banter that <laughs> I'll show you. I was like, <laughs> okay, you think I'm not going to finish? I'll show you. So uh, I, I remember from from that day on, I was like, okay, it's it, this is, you know, this is now my pride. It's like, okay, I'll show you. And it kept me, you know, that, that kind of competitive uh, banter really made me f- 
finished the race, I remember like running and it was my first half Ironman and just feeling so down. And I'm like, why am I doing this? And like, you have to show her I can't. I'm like, that I couldn't. So I'm going to finish. So I, I think it keeps me also motivated when I have that sort of uh, uh, co- competitive, uh, you know, remarks being thrown out. So yeah, I, I also owe that to her. She kind of got me through the, the finish. <laughs> and then my, my, I'm, my, my, I have two older sisters, Leila and Zan. They're really supportive. Zan got into it for a while and she was going to do the Houston Half Ironman. Um, and she started training. And, you know, the fact that she made me feel like some, you know, I, I don't see myself as an inspirational character. But she looked for up her to make me yeah. feel that way and say, I'm going to join it because you're doing it. That was sort of like, oh, thank you. Thank you for that. You know, it makes me feel good that I could sort of, instill some sort of change even within my small circle so uh yeah I, they're always uh, supporting me in every single way Leila's always about you know creating content and and you know creating that kind of uh, uh platform where more people have to know about this uh, and that's her way to show, show support and I'm very blessed. I'm very blessed to have, you know, a, you know, a very good core at home that keeps me motivated, that keeps me going, that keeps me competitive. And then with my friends and, and the whole, you know, triathlon community here, it's amazing. You know, the terms of just the small things that people throw out or say to keep you going, like you're doing really good. Just a small comment like that. Or, or you know, at the beginning when there was no one to show me the ropes and for this cycling group to come and tell me, come and join us. You know, it's, it's, it's a really, I think that's one of the things that we, uh, the tribe try to promote in terms of it is, uh, it's, it is an individual sport, but the community really, it carries you through the journey and through the finish line. I think, um, I know Afshan's got a question, but just before that, I think it's so powerful to have just that one person to say, you can do this or a friend to say, come join this. Or, and you never know who you'll inspire or who's, where you'll get inspiration from as well. Like I'm very deeply inspired by all of this, what you're saying right now, like in your family, it's really beautiful. Yeah. It's just, it's lovely. Yeah. And uh, we are going to dive into everything Jidda tribe, but I, I just want to like, I can see that there's a lot of this, this mantra that you hold, I can, and I will is as much nature as it as it is nurture so you've had both i think you get the gene from your mom and then you also have the community to kind of nurture it so i mean if there's if you find anyone in within the community who is struggling like an athlete or just anyone what would you say should be the starting point for them to turn their situation around i mean of course there is a lot of power in your own story of turning your life around but if there's a starting point, what would that be? I think it's one of our things is try. And, you know, there's just just try. And, and it's all about showing up. Showing up can be, you know, getting through a session, not needing to, you know, kill it and do it. You know, I think every athlete has their highs and lows. I personally had a, a low last week where... I was questioning my whole decision to do, you know, the cycling race because as I told you, I'm still undecided if I like it or I don't. But it was one of those sessions where I had three inconsistent sessions back to back, struggling to meet the the power targets. And really I was I was there. And then my coach told me this. He's like, Jude, don't make much of it. It's just a bad week 
or it's just a bad day. If you get caught up in the thoughts that, you know, this is as good as I'll ever be, you know, the competition is so far away in terms of like what I have to achieve, you're going to get caught up in all the negative thoughts and and it's not going to be an enjoyable journey. It's okay. Some sessions are there just to get through them. And some days that's the whole goal. You know, you don't have to ace it, but getting through it is a part of the journey. So I think taking it with its highs and lows, realizing that it's okay to have a bad day and definitely just keeping consistent because consistency is the key when it comes to any success, whether it's within sports or within your career, you know, continuously showing up uh, and saying, you know, I'm here for more. I'm here for more. And I think that's sort of the sharing people's journeys and sharing that, you know, there are lows and it's not all rosy. Uh, I think it's really educational for everyone around that. Yeah, everyone goes through those emotions, but what makes people different is if they show up again mm-hmm. consistently with that kind of, in the face of those uh, moments of feeling maybe lack of confidence, feeling down um, and giving yourself a break. Mm-hmm. I think putting your goals in perspective is very important. Why am I in this? You know, there's that, that why, answering why for yourself. Am I in it to be competitive? Am I in it to stay healthy? Am I in it? What is my purpose? And I think everyone defines their own why. And if you can really define your why and stick with it and believe in it, uh, I think that will get you through uh, through through it all. And there's no why. I mean, no one can determine what's what's your why and uh, what's good or what's bad. You know, if it's if it's to be healthy and to have good habits then you should not stress yourself with, you know, the the nitty gritty, the numbers and get into that toxic competitiveness where you're putting yourself down and where it becomes more stressful than it is an outlet. Uh, if it is to compete in a race, then it's okay. You know, you just think, you know, if I don't get through this, then my competitor will. And it's just up to me to get myself back into the mindset that I need to. And I think, you know, really defining your why, surrounding yourself with your, your core group that will support you through it. Um, my coach, my friends, everyone was there. Don't stop. You got this. You got this. You, you might, it might look like a bad week, but in the grand scheme of things, that you, the fact that you're continuously showing up, that you're consistently coming back, means there will be growth, even if you don't see it now. So I think those three lessons or three kind of, things will will push you through it, will keep you going. Yeah, absolutely. I've got a question because we're going to get into Jetta Tribe and all of that and how important it is. We had Dean Altayab, who was like the OG Saudi <laughs> triathlete. <laughs> yeah. And you mentioned when you first were getting started, like women weren't even driving in Saudi. How do you think it's changed as you've seen too? Like, you know, just the public's embrace. You mentioned that we're like many different communities and I'm sure it's kind of grown a lot since that time, but like, how was it back then versus now? Like in terms of triathlon being accepted as a sport and that everyone does. Yeah, definitely. I think, you know, more and more we see more and more women and men on the road, cycling, running. Uh, I think the fact that even with the Saudi games, I think it's now really sports culture has been embedded within the culture now. And I think more and more people are getting involved in it. Personally, I really see how life has changed 
prior and post 2018. And I'm sure Dina Tayyib has her story to go that, through how it was even prior to then. You know, I much respect to, you know, someone who was able to go through that with no community, with no support in terms of, you know, even mindset shifts. Mm. I think culturally, you know, uh, and, and and again, you know, I've I've been in many family or social gatherings where you know just the idea of seeing women running on the road uh, streets was like, you know, what can they go run in the gym? You know, that kind of concept mm. is like, wh- what are they trying to prove? You know, mm. Th- that was always sort of the social talk and taboo around it, and. You know, then lo and behold, one of their own comes <laughs> and starts doing it. So <laughs> even within family setups, I see, a, you know, a cultural shift where maybe, you know, extended family might have seen this as a taboo or whatnot. But uh, now it's more and more acceptable in terms of, yeah, yeah what's wrong? Yeah, they're running, they're cycling and, and, and life is changing and, you know, everyone has their goals. And I was at the airport the other day and I remember just sitting and, uh, a random lady was speaking to me and then uh, she's like, uh, I was going for the trials actually for the Riyadh Saudi Games trials. And she's like, oh, so you live in Riyadh? And then I opened up, I told her, no, I'm going for a cycling race. And in my head, this woman is not going to have any clue about the cycling community. Mm-hmm. And, it, and then she started naming people who were like uh, actually athletes. I'm like, oh, do you know X, Y, and Z? And, uh, you know, uh, they're also cyclists. And do you know that? I'm like, oh, wow. It's like, now it's a thing. It's like people actually know who the cyclists are and who. So it's, you know, just having that kind of conversation was also like a, a for me, because again, you know, in my head, this woman is going to know nothing about, you know, cycling, about the mm-hmm. community. And then there she is telling me all the names of my colleagues and friends who are doing the sport and understanding the Saudi games, that there's a race and what's the distance and uh, which type of cycling race is it? And I'm like, okay, no, culturally. And then in terms of the education there, I think uh, we're, we're making gains. We're making, we're progressing. So that, that, that was a, a nice, uh, refreshing t- experience to see. Yeah. I, I think what rings true uh, through the stories of all our guests, especially those who are from Saudi, is that they've had a lot of like family support. So even if they've progressed in their sports or found sports, they've all kind of turned to their families for that support and they've got that. So it's really nice to see that that's also growing because you're out there, you're talking about your family support. So there are other families who go like, oh, okay, you know, we should allow our, you know, women or our sisters and mothers and, you know, friends to do this as well. So it's it's really nice to see. And, and again, like, I think I would say my, uh, you know, our family would be probably, you know, liberal conservatives. I would categorize ourselves, you know, we're not really in one end or the other. I think we're really in the middle in terms of mindset, but we do have sort of that, uh, those kind of cultural taboos sometimes coming and popping up in terms of, well, women walking, uh, running in the road and that. But again, like having my father to be my biggest support and to silence any of that kind of resistance within the family as well. Mm. That in itself, you know, spoke wonders uh, in terms of my strength to continue because there is, there are family members who aren't going to get it and then mm-hmm. they still won't get it. 
And even if they won't say it to your face, it, they still won't get it. But, you know, having my dad's support and telling me, you know, I got your back, you know, you do whatever you need to do. And, and you don't have to worry about that. And even shielding me maybe from some of the comments that are, are, are being said or done behind my back. It, again, that's, that's, that's all the support that you can wish and hope for because you cannot please every single person. And I think having that people who matter to you, having their support mm. uh, really is, uh, is the biggest difference. And your personal journey now has uh, taken a bigger, has, has become a, something much bigger for the community um, with Jeddah tribe. So give us the backstory on how that came about. And I think you started it a year after you got into tribes. Exactly, exactly. So really in terms of Jeddah tribe, you know, I'm just the vessel here, but it really is the effort of the core team that we launched together in 2019 we were a group of friends really a uh, training and racing a uh, training together for races internationally and one of our friends his name is Iyad he said uh, you know let's do a a a, a, tr- a simulation amongst us friends and all coordinated and organized it and it was 10 people i remember and we did it at a private beach resort we started the swim we got our bikes uh, it was really self-timed. Everyone with their their stopwatch, uh, with their with their their Garmin watch or whatever watches they use, and uh, it was the first time where we felt, you know, wow, we have the infrastructure for it. We can definitely recreate it for a bigger group, and it doesn't have to be, you know, for the small group of friends that are doing it. And it came out of an irk because why do we have to, you know? do a race internationally every time we want to benchmark our ourselves or every time we want to race for, for fun as well. So um, it really started from there. And um, I really have to mention, you know, the core team that started it because without them, you know, it, it wouldn't have uh, propelled to what it is today. So I have our vice president is Arwal Amudi. Talil Hashmi is the head of uh, PR. Uh, Raghad Al-Marzuki is the treasury. She's man- heading the treasury function. Atalias is managing our coaching function, and then with the assistance of Nuhal Dix, Abdullah Ali Rida is managing our procurement. Ali Magbul is the advisor to this team, and we recently have, uh, you know, uh, onboarded Yara Taima, who is now really in her way to become GM of this uh, this the structure. So uh, we're very proud of that, and and, and I think you know, when it comes to Jeddah Tribe. You know, in many things, I kind of get an imposter syndrome and where I doubt, you know, where I fit in terms of that. But when it comes to the tribe, I think it's one of the few things that I can really say, we built that. We built that. It's like, you know, a shameless, like kind of appreciation and pride of, yeah, this is something that I can say that I'm, I'm very proud and happy of how it's going, where it's going. And I think what is unique about it is every single person, whether it's a part of the core committee or a participant or a community group or a sponsor or all, I think feel the same way. And we built that. Uh, and I think that is something that really keeps us going, keeps us moving, regardless of the entry point. You know, we have people who are with us since last year who have been propelling so much change and so much growth within the tribe, really not asking for much, but just being, you know, so a part of the vision and the mission and seeing the potential. Uh, I remember last race we did for last season, which was around uh, June, one of the team, uh, one of the, uh, the, the participants just started making teams uh, and, 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 you know, 
recruiting people from all different communities, runners, cyclists. And I think 50% of the participant list was just basically her recruiting people and <laughs> relay teams. So it just goes to show, you know, the power of community and that everyone feels invested within this project and initiative. And I just have to throw it out there and shout out that nothing would be possible without the support of these tremendous people. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Um, just a question too. So everyone, does everyone have full-time jobs as well? And you're doing this and training for trials? Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> yes. That is a lot of passion. It is. It is. It is fueled by a lot of passion and uh, with the community support. Definitely. Mm. I think uh, we always keep on saying after every race or actually before every race, we question whether we're going to do a next season or not. That's always a part of the process. And then come to the team post-race. Yeah, what are we going to plan the next season? Um, so it's always that love-hate relationship where, you know, when stress times comes and you're into diff doing different tasks, managing your, your personal training, managing your career uh, and your growth in that, managing your relationships, and then also doing this, you always start questioning, why am I doing this? And then you just look at the finish line and seeing the faces and the impact it has on the community. And like, that's why. That's why I'm doing it. Yeah. So we've got a lot of listeners from all over the world. And I mean, so Jetta Tribe, just to clarify, you host races, but there's also coaching and a community. So just kind of explain exactly what it is, because we know, we know, but for our listeners to, to fully understand and how many people are in it as well. So essentially, it started off as a uh, triathlon club that organizes events. We never set out to be a coaching entity, and, and that was never a part of the things that we wanted to in, you know, take as uh, in terms of one of our functions. However, we saw that in the beginning, it was integral to have that sort of guidance and mentorship. We even were, you know, in between phases, we were like, should we call it a mentorship or a coaching? You know, are we, can we call ourselves certified coaches? And then thankfully today we do have Ata and Noha who are certified coaches. But in the beginning, it was really, we needed to provide some, you know, degree of guidance and mentorship that people could know how to run the reins and how to come to the racers prepared. Because having people come unprepared is also a safety hazard and a mm -hmm. risk for all participants. Mm -hmm. So one of the things that we take really seriously is participant safety. And it was very important that people come well-trained, well-prepared for their own benefit, but also not to risk the safety of others. So it became part of the thing, the offering that we provide is some degree of mentorship and guidance. We also started rolling out generic uh, uh, training programs for people to start training and so that they can come with a level of, uh, of, of you know, competence to the, the race. Something that we made a practice is that a few days before the race, we always have a race briefing that's done online and that's also shared as a recording to participants. Uh, the race guide is shared also a week in advance where the safety rules, uh, the checklist of things that you need, we try to make it as easy as possible for people to, you know, maneuver their way uh, when it comes to triathlon and to get where they are. We started also marketing relay teams very much because we found it was a good entry point where people can come, join the race, get a taste of it, and then come back and, you know, level up and upgrade from where mm -hmm. they you know, entered in terms of uh, their last race and they, they, they keep on growing. And I think that kind of progression also has, uh, you know, 
really played well with the participants because they they come and they want to challenge themselves more next time and then even more next time. So uh, we, we try to keep it entertaining. Um, so yeah, we run events. We have a season. We have a point system. We sort of run ourselves like uh, the Super League out there where you have a series <laughs> of races uh, and you get points for every race. Um, and at the end of the season, we have a closing ceremony where we crown our season champions. And uh, last closing season, I can say, was very nice because the number of participants was was amazing in terms of uh, it was the biggest number of participants we've had at the tribe. And we also had a very nice setup for it. So uh, it's one of the things that we want to make the standard for all our races. So uh, we keep on progressing. Uh, our first race was a 20-person race. So, you know, we didn't have any buoys. We didn't have any race arches. Uh, we were had like barely some cones. You know, our last race was, you know, monitored by the police. There was road closures. We had the full setup, the race arches. Uh, so I think from 2019 and to, to 2023, we've seen uh, a growth in, in the product that we provide or the events that we provide. And we've seen a growth. We also launched this year, this season, uh, an ambassadorship program where really it's to recognize the community members who are going above and beyond to recruit people into the sport. And in the beginning, it was done, you know, without any expectation for any, you know, uh, recognition whatsoever. But for us, it was very important to tell these people, you are a part of our success and realizing that we could have not done it without the word of mouth and, you know, all these people being inspirations for their own community, people bringing in their colleagues, bringing, people bringing in their family members, people bringing their friends. So uh, it, it's really just to pay homage to the people that uh, are making a difference and continuing to make a difference such at the tribe. You're talking about this being a grassroots initiative, right? Yeah. But of course, the success of it depends a lot on the buy-in that the private and the public sector give because... You have to find a venue, you have to, you know, kind of look for sponsors to kind of host events of these of of this nature. How have you seen that change since you began? And, you know, like government as well as, you know, the private sector seeing value in supporting something like Jiddah Tribe or supporting sports in general? A hundred percent. Like we are a de facto non-for-profit entity. So Really, we charge sales, uh, ticket fees, and it was very important in the beginning to do that because we wanted to create a sustainable model and to have legacy for the tribe. We didn't want it to be a one-year thing that discontinued because people were busy. And this is why onboarding a full-time team now headed by Yara uh, was very important for us because we wanted to create that sustainability. And I think in the beginning, we priced really reasonably factoring in that you know, we cannot account or count on sponsorships all the time. We have to have a sustainable model. In terms of even revenue generations, we've now made a very, um, I think, reasonable priced coaching subscription. We've made a merchandise. Uh, we've diversified our revenue streams just so it could be self-sustainable. But I think one of the comments that we used to get from the participants is you guys are so expensive and they were benchmarking in comparison to running races. That, mm. that was what was provided. 
And I remember in the beginning, it was very difficult to get the buy-in of people to, you know, buy a ticket uh, priced at 200 and now it's actually 400 So we started off with 200 Saudi Reals per ticket, and now it's 400 And it was very difficult to make that sale in the beginning. But today, I think we don't have that problem because see, people do see the value for money that they're getting. And in terms of the, the buy-in from the private sector and the public sector, it's a growing uh, experience. You know, we had the police support in three events last season. So the first event, uh, we didn't get that kind of government support in time because I will take responsibility. Maybe the paperwork wasn't submitted in time. But then the rest of the events, we, we continuously had the support from the government entities, whether it's the the road traffic police, the special forces, the Coast Guard, and all those entities. And we had the Saudi Triathlon Federation really liaisoning that relationship. Mm -hmm. So uh, we had a good handle on that. And the relationship kept on getting better and better. Expectations were really uh, defined throughout the relationship growth. So I think at the beginning, it was unclear who was going to do what. And then once we had that first experience, we had an open conversation with all these entities. What did we do right? What can we do better? And who is going to do it? And then next event, the support was better. Third event, it was, I think, you know, optimal in terms of the support we got from uh, these government entities. Um, and, and again, I think that, that growth in relationship was very important and it creates a, a practice. It creates a frequency. And I think that I'm very happy that we've had that experience because I'm confident that with the next season coming up, we will have even better support because it keeps on getting better and better. Private sector, we have a, a lot of sponsors who have been with us since inception and continuously support. ASM has been with us since the beginning season and still continue to support. Um, ASM is um, automotive solution company, and it's it's led by Ali Magbul, and he really does believe in the sport, uh, and he believes in its growth. So uh, it's something that he he has bought into in terms of uh, of, of of supporting this in all fronts. Um, we have you know the support from the private sector is coming in different forms. Uh, we have. Uh, support in kind where companies want to give us, uh, you know, product to give out. We have support in cash and we have vendorships where, you know, give us expo space and we'll come display at your events. Mm -hmm. So I think that relationship is growing, uh, you know, the corporate social uh, responsibility and corporate well-being are things that now we see many companies now in telling us, you know, we'll buy a bundle of tickets and give it to our employees because we want to promote healthy habits. Uh, if you can give us with us a, a, a training program so we can give our training, our, our employees, that kind of uh, information, we'll happily buy, you know, uh, in upfront X amount of tickets for the season. Uh, we find that onboarding from the private sector uh, really, uh, you know, liking that that initiative. So we've been growing and we're continuously growing with the, with the, with the support of government, with the support of the private sector, with the support of the community. And as I said, I think everyone, when they talk about Jidda tribe, have some degree of ownership where they feel, yeah, we made that, we built that, and we invite that kind of mindset and we invite that approach. I love that. It's really, yeah, amazing to see how fast this has grown in really challenging few years as well. Yeah. You know, when you think about oh. like, yeah. lockdowns and restrictions and all that kind of stuff. So it's amazing. I mean, I was going to ask, like, what areas do you think need more attention and promotion? But it's like, 
it seems like, you know, just time, right? Like just kind of people learning more about it because you have fantastic support from government and private sector and you guys are super organized and, you know, extremely switched on. So yeah, is there any other areas for like improvement you think like to get more people involved in in triathlon in Saudi or, yeah. So I think two initiatives and, and really these initiatives came out of seeing a lack and a gap in our last season. I think it's very important us as a group. We like to debrief postseason, see what we did good, what we did bad, what we can do better and always continuing to improve. And I think an area we were lacking in was the kids races. So all our races, our, uh, our, our triathlon races have a kids element to it. So if it's a sprint or Olympic triathlon, we always end it off with a fun run for the kids. And we realized that it's too much of a sideshow. It has to be the main element. This is the future. This is where we start developing talent. This is where, you know, people start getting hooked to the sport. Uh, we cannot just, you know, focus all our attention on the adults and forget this amazingly important group. Um, so what we did this season is we split up our races. We no longer have an adult race with a kids, a side race. We have kids specific races and we took the same approach as we did with our adults. We have an aquathlon, then a duathlon, then a full triathlon. So we give doses of, of flavors for the kids who are coming, um, before they do the full three multidisciplinary sports. So, and we're starting to contact, uh, schools. Something that happened organically, and I don't even think we realized that when we were selecting, we opened up an ambassadorship uh, program for applications uh, during early summer. And we received uh, a pool of applicants where we selected from. And then we realized that most of the uh, applicants that we've selected have an institutional background in education, whether it's uh, a principal of a school or the owner of a school or, you know, um, someone who's lecturing at a university. So we have, I think, probably out of the 25 uh, within the educational sector. And instantly, you know, once we launched that ambassadorship program, um, we started going and uh, Yara just yesterday went to Dar al-Hikma University and she gave a talk about triathlon to college students. And we have something coming up next week in two local uh, schools uh, where we're going to be targeting, you know, kids ages six till uh, 18. So we are now really realizing that it's our duty to go and educate people at these institutional levels. And, you know, again, tapping into that corporate social, um, corporate well-being initiatives of companies uh, is something that we're doing now more and more to get uh, the buy-in of, of all these people uh, into the sport at a young age and also, uh, you know, throughout the adulthood life and um, throughout their careers to, to maintain a healthy lifestyle. So those are things that uh, we're working on this season. And, and we, we've, we've slowly, even so, so early into the season, because our season, our first race of the season is the 30th of September, and it's a kid's race. But even prior to that, we see how these initiatives are really getting in the word out about the sport mm-hmm. and about, you know, kids' races as well. So um, that's something that we added this season and we're, we're, I can't say if it worked or not yet, but I think from the what we've seen so far throughout the season, we see it working very well. You said your season has just begun. What's coming up then in this season, 2023, 24? Yeah, exactly. So it's season 23, 24, we have three adults races. 
three kids races. And then we have El Barza Challenge, which is a two-day cycling challenge. And we also have a training camp. Last year, we did a training camp for adults. This year, we are going to do a training camp for children. So again, going back to that grassroots youth uh, development uh, aspect that we see we were lacking in last year. So we'll also cater to that group. It's Hopefully it's going to be a, a midterm camp. So between two semesters and uh, yeah, we, we see that happening in March. I have a question for you. So if I travel to uh, Jeddah in the next few months, can I join your group? And if I do want to, and I'm pretty sure our listeners would also, you know, be interested in this information, how can we do that? Of course, of course. So we have uh, social media platforms. We're very active on it. You'll have myself, Arwa and Diara and Tala on the backgrounds, all of us. So you could, at any point in time, you could be talking to any one of us. <laughs> yeah, so uh, we usually do sign off, but if we don't, yeah, yeah it, it remains an anonymous person on the back of it. But um, yeah, we're very active on our social media platforms, our Instagram account where we're very responsive. Uh, we constantly receive, you know, questions of where can I swim? Uh, mm. I'm coming in for, a, you know, just a weekend. Uh, is there any group rides or any group runs? And and we're very proud that we kind of act like a brokerage because we're connecting people in terms of with the running groups, with the cycling groups, with the, uh, you know, swimming pools, with the open water swim areas. And we're happy to do that because we see that there's uh, appetite and growth in the community. So you'll you'll find that we we constantly are are responsive on on Instagram with those sort of kind of tips of where you could do and what you can do with us. And then we have our full race schedule up online already. So if you know you're coming in in October and you want to do a triathlon, you can go ahead in our website and already sign up from today. So that's already up there. So. Um, if you want to race, you can go uh, to our website. And if you want some, you know, hints and tips, you can Instagram us, uh, direct message us on Instagram. That's perfect. Amazing. Afshan, Afshan's not mentioning that we've been encouraged to go in as a relay at some point because I can't swim. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Well, neither can I. I, mean, I so I'm, I'm one... We'll have to get you to swim. <laughs> Dude. Yeah, we need to find some a swimmer. I'm not the best swimmer, though. I can connect you with a really good swimmer, but definitely, <laughs> if you're coming in October, we'd love that. Yeah. I haven't done any. Yeah. I mean, I always say, like, it's no secret anyone knows me. I said, Actually, I could do a backstroke. A so you're going to have to swim. Oh, one dear. of you are going to have to swim. <laughs> Yeah, I can flow. Yeah. I can flow. I mean, I, I can't even do that, right? Like, I just, I'm, I cannot swim. Full stop. <laughs> so I can, yeah. I can run. I can take the run leg, and I can take the bike leg. It's on but you, Don. Yeah, you. <laughs> yeah. I have need to get sorted. I mean, Saudi is a hundred percent on my radar for cycling. You know, like to go explore because the country is so diverse and amazing. And, you know, I had the opportunity to spend some time there in 2021, 21, 22. Yeah. Loved it. Loved it. And it's really exciting. I'm mostly going to plug a bit as a challenge for that yeah. as an opportunity. Is that yeah, in Jan, Jude? That's in January. Yeah. Okay. Well, I'm going to, we'll, it's we'll, a fun weekend. I must say it's a fun weekend. And, you know, you get a flavor of the seaside, about the, the mountainside. So we try to mix it up so you can get some diversity in, you know, the geographical areas that you see. But yeah. <laughs> and yeah, this yeah. is the cycling challenge. This is the cycling challenge in January. Hmm. 
<laughs> yeah, I've been I've been thinking about it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It sounds we'll just, really nice. That way, you don't have to worry about someone swimming for the race. Yeah, yeah, exactly. yeah. Well, you can come in for both. <laughs> I can no, get behind that. It's yeah. tempting for sure. Um couple of, I guess, questions to finish up. I think you said you were like a couch potato into triathlete, now into real like community sports leader and sports leader throughout all aspects of this journey. What are you most proud of? Like, is it a race or is it with in relation to Jetta Tribe? Like, yeah, what kind of stands out in your mind as something you were just a real moment to look For back me, and reflect yeah, it's it's always it has to be you know the feedback from the community it really it keeps us going like um seeing how people feel uh you know the expressions on their face when they finish uh the appreciation and gratitude they show you know for me, people don't have to be that nice. You know, they don't have to, but they just legitimately and genuinely are so nice post every race and showing gratitude and appreciation. And and it's an emotional journey because you see, you put a lot of effort behind the scenes and you're obviously questioning your why and why am I doing this and all that. And then you see that and you don't expect that kind of gratitude because in the end of the day, you're a service provider. You know, people are coming, they're paying a fee and this is what they expect. So they don't really have to thank you for giving them what they paid for. The genuineness and people actually appreciating that, no, you successfully executed a, a event that, you know, gave us value um, that we felt accomplished, that give us a sense of safety is so, so, you know, humbling. And, and, and it keeps us coming back and seeing that, no, we're on the right track. We're doing the right things. And so I think that, you know, we had an ambassadorship meeting last week where all 20 uh, ambassadors, we got together uh, with our team. Uh, we just started discussing. Everyone had an opportunity to discuss their own personal journey and then their journey with the tribe and just really listening to, you know, the experiences that people had at our races, one of the members or the ambassadors was saying, I finished my first race and I felt I did okay. I didn't know if it was, uh, you know, for me. And I remember one of the participants or one of the supporters of one of the participants in the race came to me at the end of the race and said, I saw you cycling. Was it your first race? And he said, yeah. And then he said, uh, continue, keep, don't stop. Cause I saw, and I, I saw, I see your legs, you have it in you to be mm-hmm. any, even stronger and come back stronger. And he said, those, like, I think the person who told me that didn't realize, you know, the impact the that impact, they had, yeah. but I ended up coming in for a second and a third race because he gave me belief that, and, and, and at that time he didn't know the person. He, he gave me belief in myself that, yeah, all I didn't have was experience. And I could be better if I have a structured plan and whatever and start getting into it more, you know, uh, more, more uh, seriously. So little stuff like that, seeing the impact of the community, seeing what this event brings out in people, you know, the, the willingness to support, to motivate, to inspire, um, you know, it's just from every single person. And, and that's why we really we really promote our values in terms of ethics, supportiveness, family centric. Uh, because we don't want any toxicity to come about from our races, any toxic vibes. And I think it's very important. And we've managed to really manifest that kind of culture within the community. And we want to keep it that way. And hopefully we do. Hopefully we do. That's that's beautiful. 
That's so important. Yeah, I love it. I just, yeah, maybe I'll try, try. Yeah. <laughs> maybe, yeah. Awesome. Yeah. Uh, but you're right, like every triathlete we've spoken to has spoken so highly. And I think it goes to show in any sport, if you have a community and if you have that support, you can go miles. You know, you, you're you encouraged to keep going and it gives you joy. Like it, the sport then gives you joy. Otherwise, it does not. So, yeah, yeah, it's amazing. We always ask all of our guests obviously we're called the metal set and you've displayed a tremendous amount of grit and metal in your journey into sport and then enabling others to join and experience triathlon as well. Do you think you were born with this grit or do you think it's something that's developed? Definitely, you know, developed for sure. You know, I've had such great role models, my mom and dad, starting with them, um, who just have so much grit so much grit. My dad every day, you know, with his work ethic, my mom with her entrepreneurial, like hungry, you know, sort of mindset. I think, uh, thankfully, I've, I've, I've grown up with them as role models and they developed this within me. Yeah. Amazing. Yeah. And before we let you go, is there anything else you would like to kind of share with our listeners? Just everywhere like really we're we're growing as fast as Jiddah tribe's growing so <laughs> so I, I i don't know how this happened but this catchphrase became to be my word for some reason and it was just out of one event where i was you know emceeing and just cheering on the the uh, athletes when they were passing me and then i just stuck with one catchphrase every time any athlete would pass and now i like to end it with every single thing that i do is you got the power Awesome. You got the power. Remember that. Excellent. It's a nice message to leave to everyone. Yeah. And inspire them to do whatever it is they want to do. Well, thank you very much for joining us. Um, yeah, it was a wonderful chat. And it's fantastic, yeah, to see you guys really drive this forward in Saudi and super excited to go to Saudi at some point soon in the future and hopefully um cycle there. We'll have to we'll have to work on our relay team, I think. <laughs> Excellent. Thanks so much. Thank you so much for the opportunity. Thank yeah. you. Thank you so much for listening today. We hope you enjoyed this episode. And if you did, we ask that you please share it with family, teammates, friends, and even frenemies, or share via social media. Please also leave us a review wherever you're listening to this podcast. Five stars only. And visit us on themetalset.com for more stories and resources. Thanks again for listening. Your support means the world to us. This is The Metal Set.